Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad you joined us for the episode today, Acts chapter 21. Edwin, what's our text? We're going to go ahead and move on to verse 17, and I'm going to read all the way through verse 20. We're going to stop kind of in the middle of a sentence because we're going to pick up the rest of it tomorrow, but let's read Acts chapter 21, verses 17 through 20. I am reading from the English Standard Version. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law. I'm going to stop there, Andrew, because that always grabs my attention. How many thousands there are among the Jews who believe? Because the last couple of times we've seen the church in Jerusalem, I guess the last time was in Acts 15. So we know that there's something going on there because now there's this debate and there's this, excuse me, this whole congregation. And I really kind of just read through it in Acts 15 without thinking about the logistics. But at this point, it always makes me think about Acts chapter 8, because in Acts chapter 8, what happened to the church at Jerusalem? Everybody but the apostles get driven out of Jerusalem. So you've got this growing, growing, growing church. A couple of thousand are baptized on the very first day, and then myriads and multiples, and 5,000 men were told, and it just keeps growing, and some of the priests, and then persecution. And it says that everyone, except for the apostles, is driven away. Now, I do remember when we got there, we we assumed that that was a little bit of hyperbole. We recognized some others, Barnabas, it looked like maybe stuck around, maybe Philip. We talked about him earlier in the week. But but essentially what you've got is it's the leadership that stays behind, and that's it. So we go from thousands upon thousands to a handful. And yet now, when Paul comes into to Jerusalem again, they are able to say, look around you. We want you to see in Jerusalem the thousands of Christians that are here zealous for the law. How did that happen? Well, I'll tell you what you see is that people have continued preaching and teaching the gospel. The leaders were about their work there at Jerusalem. You know, I also wonder as I come to this text, Paul has been, uh, you know, pushing in his travels to try to make it to Jerusalem by this feast time. And so um, the the survey of all the Christians, uh, Jews who believe and are zealous for the law, could some of those also be uh, pilgrimage saints, you know, much like Paul? Um, the end result, though, I think really is is the same, and that is that where we are expecting a church maybe on the ropes, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. It has grown and it has flourished again. And so, so what have they overcome? Okay, you you alluded to the physical persecution going on in Acts chapter eight, right? Uh, the leadership stays. I'm also thinking about some of the I don't know. Would the word be fallout? Some of the challenges internally from Acts chapter fifteen. There was a significant number of influential. Um, Pharisees who believed, okay, Jewish Jewish leaders and teachers, uh, we find at the end of Acts 15, they're corrected, that the doctrine is clarified to be in line with what the apostles have revealed about salvation uh, for the Gentiles as well. I love I love the teaching in Acts 15 that becomes so clear that that you guys have it all framed wrong. The the issue never was Gentiles get to be saved like the Jews by becoming Jews, but in fact Jews are saved 
as Gentiles. We are all saved. Faith, repentance, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. faith, repentance in Jesus and, and by Christ. the grace of Jesus, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, we've we've overcome physical hardship, persecution outside, the, the doctrinal challenges, um, and yet here, here we are. Here we are. Let, let me back up a little bit just uh, commenting on something you said there. I I have to admit and and concede that this is a feast time. Pete, Paul himself has been wanting to get back for this time, and so I, I, I guess some of the, the Jews. I guess some right? of the Jews could Pentecost, be here. Right? Some. Uh, I think that's what he said he was trying to get back for. Um, I'm I'm actually thinking down a line here, so oh, sorry, I, sorry. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> right now on that one. Apologize. But, uh, so, okay, I can concede that some of these thousands might be pilgrimage Jews, but the idea that the thousands, the multitude that James is talking about are pilgrimage Jews is hard for me to go there, namely because the pilgrimage Jews would have been the Jews in the towns where Paul had been preaching and they had heard what Paul preached to the Jews and to the Gentiles in those towns. I don't think they would be bringing back while well, Paul says you don't have to follow the law because they would have been there while Paul was teaching. They would have known that. Further, I know that the Judaizing teachers, like I look at the letter to the Galatians, Mm -hmm. and when we walk through the letter to the Galatians, it appears that as the Judaizing teachers got out following Paul around, Mm -hmm. they were at least telling the churches in Galatia, Paul has changed his mind. Paul has gone back to the, the apostles, and they have convinced him that he's supposed to keep the law. So, So as I start trying to piece those things together, I think what James is saying is we've got thousands of Jews here in Jerusalem, Jewish Christians here in Jerusalem that are hearing you're saying Jewish Christians don't have to obey this law. Because those those Jews out there in those places where Paul had traveled, they would not have thought that's what Paul was saying because he was constantly correcting that with them. So I have to concede probably some pilgrimage Jews here. But I do think James, is when he's talking about the thousands, is actually talking about the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem as this church has grown up again, overcoming the persecution, overcoming the nonsense from the Judaizing teachers that attacked them as they went through Acts chapter 15. So again, to me, I just see this incredible growth of the church despite... The internal problems, despite the external persecutions, it's growing, 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 growing. And yet both times, where did it start? It started with a group of 12 men, a handful of Christians that were along with them. And then look at what's happened. I mean, twice that's now happened. What a great lesson about, uh, you know, the, the difference that one can make or a small group can make. It puts me in mind of the, the parable the Lord taught about, about the mustard seed. <laughs> And uh, how it just starts with a small, small seed that grows up into this great tree, and even the birds come and nest in it. And uh, if we get back to the the seed of this truth and this gospel, this is what is intended to happen, that it changes hearts and it changes lives. The power is going to be in God, not in some administrative you know, hierarchy in, in uh, institutional church world uh, to you know, plan this thing out, but as faithful men communicated the word of God, there were people that wanted to be part of it. So start with the right seed. Mm. When you have the right seed, no matter how small the seed is, it's going to grow and uh, exponentially. It's going to be amazing. And of course, now you know, now that you've brought up parables and seeds, what I'm thinking about, that uh, parable, parable of the, the sower. sower. <laughs> I just said mustard seed, but yeah, tell us about that other one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think those parables go together. 
Well, yeah. Because what we have is this, these stories that talk about the seed. There's multiple parables that bring up this idea of the seed. And in the parable of the sower, what you've got is the sower who is crazy. Mm-hmm. He is throwing out the seed mm-hmm. anywhere and everywhere. And he's acting like no farmer, no sower would ever act. And yet, by the time it's done, he has a bumper crop. Why? Because the seed is amazing. The seed, which is the word of God, as Isaiah 55 says, will not come back to me void. Mm-hmm. It's going to accomplish what I want it to accomplish. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to, you know, in place of briars and thorns, you're going to end up with cypress and myrtle. And this, this is how amazing the seed of God's word is. Well, I tell you, you start with the right seed. And then you have the uh, faithfulness and the grit of a sower who's just going to keep on spreading it or, you know, keep teaching and preaching the word of God to the people that are around you. And isn't that an interesting idea? You know, instead of sitting back and wishing for, oh, man, I I wish Saul was still around here. We were doing so much when he was in town. Talk to the people who are around you. Work with the people that you have. I think that parable of the sower is mainly we're supposed to see Jesus. It's supposed to be an explanation of why Jesus is behaving in a way that is so shocking to people. Folks are accusing him of being demon-possessed. Folks are turning away from his own family, thinks he's crazy. And so he gives this story about the parable of the sower, this crazy sower. And yet, look, guys, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a bumper crop. I can hear the story there, and I think that's the level at which it's first told. But then what does that do about me? What, what does that say about me? And what did that say about the apostles? They stepped into that role yeah. as Jesus, who, by the way, was a seed planted in the ground and then burst forth with new life. And then he ascends to the Father. He leaves behind these men that he's trained. And what do they do? They step into that same role. They're going to share the word of God, the seed of God that produces life. And it's a mustard seed. And, you know, that other parable where it says they don't know how it's actually going to work. They yeah, just they just sow work. it. You don't and, know how. <laughs> and, it, and it comes up and it produces life. And then that passes down to us. Yeah. I, and I think that so applies here because when the persecution hits in Acts 8 and most of the Christians leave, but we leave behind these men who have been trained by Jesus to act like Jesus mm. despite the reactions and the actions, despite the fact that, There's now persecution and folks accusing them of being crazy and accusing them of being blasphemous. What do they do? They act like Jesus. They just keep sowing the seed. And what happens? It produces this humongous tree, this kingdom of God, and it continues to grow. So the endurance of sowers. And boy, if that isn't a lesson for people today. And for those that step into a role of preaching and teaching, you know, clearly, uh, instead of spending so much time being concerned about the soil and uh, trying to figure out who this person is, uh, be teaching, be teaching this word of God. It's going to land on all kinds of soil. But the point is that you say it, you share it, you tell it. One more thing comes to my mind as I'm thinking about this, Andrew, and that is the importance of leadership. When Jesus came into the world, if there was anybody in all of human history that had the ability to just maintain gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of relationships, to teach thousands and thousands of people, it would be him. He would be the one that could be able to do that. And yet what he did was focus on 12 men mm-hmm. and, and then a handful around. He, he did some teaching with them as well. But he focused on this small group of people, this group of leaders. Yeah. And then left them behind. And look yeah. at what that leadership did. Jesus didn't 
just produce followers. He produced leaders. And because they were leaders, when the followers went away and became leaders in other places, more followers began to be developed back at Jerusalem so that now they can say there's thousands and thousands again, because that's the exponential growth of leadership. Well, and I, I appreciate you mentioning that because part of what Jesus' work is, is making disciples and disciple-making disciples, right? That we reproduce what we are, which is followers of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we should not look at this thousands and this myriads and be like, well, they they knew how to get a crown together, you know. They knew how to pack out a house. Uh, these are people who are committed to following the Lord. And we need to remember, too, Paul's not the only one ever paying a price physically in persecution difficulties for being faithful to Jesus Christ. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, navigating, particularly with the Jewish community, the difficulty uh, of, of the gospel and, and also, you know, weighing out Torah observance and how all those things are going to work together. Um, but I'll tell you this, there were steep consequences, particularly for those Jews who decided to leave Torah observance, you know, to any degree. And so here's a persecuted man preaching and, and working with people, there's going to be persecution. You're persecuted people for Christ. Bringing this full circle back to some of the things we talked about earlier in the week, Paul is not the only one who suffers. Remember Stephen, who was stoned to death. That's right. James, the brother of John, who was killed by Herod with the sword. James, who is mentioned in Acts 15 and here, the brother of the Lord Jesus, is going to be martyred. He is going to be executed, if I remember right. He's, he's taken up to the top of the temple and thrown down. Uh, or taken up to a high building. I, I got to remember that story again. But it's, you know, it's actually, actually it's kind of mirrors the temptation that Jesus went through. Mm-hmm. And you know, hey, jump off of this, and and will the Lord protect you? But James, he was taken up and he was thrown down, and then mm-hmm. it was just a brutal thing. Uh, Peter, of course, is going to be executed. Paul yeah. will ultimately be executed. Lots of uh, this. This is apostleship. This is when we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And so then it's, it, it becomes a crazy. How, how, how is it that people want to get involved with that? All the leaders keep dying and not of old age. <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah. it's one of these apologetics for the truth of it. Because, because it's real, because this is true. Time All for right. us to wrap up. We'd love yeah. to have hear from you. You can email us at texttalk at christiansmeethere.org, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Andrew, why don't you wrap us up with a prayer? Our great God and Father, Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you that we might open up your word and study it again from Acts chapter 21. Father, we pray we might take this good example to heart uh, with Paul, with James, with these uh, leaders and preachers and teachers at Jerusalem to start where we are by talking to the people around us with your good word, the gospel of truth. Father, please bless us to that end today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.